Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. How's it going, everybody? It's time for the Famous Dead People podcast, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jared Berenstein, and today on the show we have 19th century English author and journalist George Orwell and 20th century American actor River Phoenix. It was a fascinating talk. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements before we get to the episode. Don't forget that you can always check out the freshest episodes every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Buy my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now and it's hilarious. Rate and review the podcast. Tell your friends. Leave a comment. And, of course, you can always check out all my latest uh, upcoming show dates and projects on JarrettBerenstein.com. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy River Phoenix and George Orwell only on Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. It's time. Famous Dead People. Time to start the show. Famous Dead People. Oh, you know. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. Famous Story stuck in the head. Famous My guests today on Famous Dead People are early 20th century English novelist, journalist, and critic Eric Arthur Blair, a.k.a. George Orwell. Hello. And American actor, musician, and activist famous for such films as Stand By Me and my own private Idaho, River Phoenix. Hello. Uh, Mr. Phoenix, Mr. Orwell, thank you so much for joining us here on Famous Dead People. My very great pleasure, Jared. Thank you for having us. Uh, so let's start off with uh, George Orwell. So yes. uh, you were born in India, but Correct. you moved to England when you were still a baby. Your family was poor, uh, but you don't describe it that way. You said your family was lower, upper, middle class. And I'm wondering exactly what that, what's the difference between being poor and being lower, upper, middle class, exactly. Well, you see, India has a very strict caste system, which, you know, I sort of absorbed through osmosis, just being there as a baby. Mm-hmm. And so it's very important for me to stratify society in this manner. To uh, stratify society. Stratify society. Okay. Uh, so the, whereas the poor would be considered low, lower class, mm-hmm. uh, my family was, we, well, I'll put it this way. We got a loaf of bread every Sunday. Okay. Whereas, a, whereas a poor person would, would not eat get sawdust, I suppose. Okay, so you were in the uh, the you were the top of the shit pile. Mm. Is sort of like what you were saying there by saying lower, upper, middle class. We were the top of the shit pile. Yes, thank gotcha. you. That's beautiful. Okay, have you ever written it? Uh, you've written a book. Yes, I, yeah, I did write a book actually. Yes. And it, you know, I got to say, George Orwell, I am flattered. That you know about my book. I've read it three times. You read my book yes. three times, George Orwell. Yes. That is high praise. You know, I, if one could be a retroactive influence, I'd say mm-hmm. you were retroactively an influence on me. That Obviously, is, you want a literal influence on me. That's too high praise. I was dead George long Orwell. before you were born. That is, that's way too high praise. I don't know how to take that, man. Wait. It, take it as a compliment. Okay, man. yeah, yeah, that sounds. I mean, it feels. It just. It just feels like a lot, you know, because like I love your work. What me? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh God. I mean, River Phoenix. Obviously, we're we're both huge fans of you. Also, I don't want to leave you out of this. Oh no, I don't. Um, I don't feel left out. Okay. Great. I love Young Indiana Jones. I don't suppose Thank you, so much. you read my book, also, River well, Phoenix. Well, uh, unfortunately, I didn't really learn how to read. Um, oh, that's right. So. Well, I did. So I do want to ask you about that in a little bit. But let's um continue. Whoa. with Orwell for just a moment. That's mortifying. Uh, so, no, and also, no. like, you know, how would you read a script? How would you be an actor if you didn't know how to read? But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I'm very curious. Uh, so you, you're born in India, but you moved to England when you're still a baby. Your mother and your sisters all moved back to England 
from India with you, but your father doesn't join the family for another eight years. Is that right? right? That's correct. Yes. Okay. So did your mother ever tell you like why your dad wasn't living with you from the ages of one to nine? Like my mother was a very matter of fact woman. Okay. Matter of fact woman. And so she told me straight up. Georgie, that's what she called me, Georgie, mm -hmm. Georgie Porgy. She, she called you Georgie, even though your birth name, of course, was Eric Arthur Blair. Correct. Okay, interesting, interesting. Well, now you see where George came from. Oh, God, the nickname that your mom gave I you. I loved pudding, I love English pudding. Oh. So she called me Georgie Porgy Pudding. That makes a lot of and sense. pie, we that never had pie, but occasionally we'd have pudding. I mean, you're such a svelte man mm. that I would, I, I find it... Interesting that you had such a penchant for sweets. I always expect people with sweet well, tooth to be larger. Well, Christmas pudding once a year. Gotcha, you know. gotcha. You know, you were up lower upper middle lower class. Lower upper middle class, top yeah, yeah. of the shit heap is, um, pardon me, top of the shit pile. Top, is top not, of the shit pile. Is not the, is not the uh, bottom of the... Mm, <laughs> the shit pile. Well, <laughs> what what's, up, what's next yeah. up from the... Well, let's, from the let's shit think, pile? Up from the shit pile... The, I guess it'd be the garbage bin because mm, garbage is a little less disgusting than shit. So I'd say yes, top of the shit, shit pile is not to the bottom of the garbage bin. So Christmas pudding once a year on on. Uh, gotcha. On, uh, because on you Christmas. were L U M C, lower upper middle class. Lumkey. Lumkey, yes. indeed. Well, so my mother was very straightforward. She said, "Georgie Porgy." Mm -hmm. So yeah, Georgie Porgy. She said, uh, "Your father left, and it's because of you." She she told you that it was yes. because you. He can't handle you. You're oh. too. You're too intense. Whoa. You're a thoughtful boy, but you freak him out. He's not a thoughtful man. Interesting. So your dad spent one year with you. Mm -hmm. And he was intimidated. He was intimidated by the by one-year-old George Orwell? I was very intense. Interesting. You see What's, this piercing stare I have? Oh, yeah. I had that from birth. It does just kind of look through you. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I can tell wow. that. Yes. And so, and so when he eventually came back into your life, you know, w was there still that dynamic of you intimidating your father? Yes, but that time I was doing it intentionally. Ah, I see. Yes. As opposed to just being in an eight thing I was a baby. Yes, I was angry and I knew I, I, tried, I had this power of freaking people mm -hmm. out by staring through mm -hmm. them so staring I would use it. And I, so you got these piercings at birth? That's something you wanted? No, no, it's like a piercing gaze. Oh, piercing gaze. Yeah. That <laughs> makes more sense. Okay. Well, I mean, we don't know what things are like in India from the age of zero to one or in... You know, England from the ages of one to nine, maybe piercings for children was very normal back then, would you say? I, I do know what it was like, and they, mm. they were Be uncommon, but they weren't, they weren't un, you know, you, you saw them once <laughs> in a while. You saw them every now and then. They were uh, rare. They were rare. Right. They were rare, but not, um, what's, um, not impossible, mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love not, that. Not, not existed. I love the way you phrased that. I like the way yeah. you said, you said, uh, top of the ship pile is not bottom of the garbage bin. That's going to be a thing. That's yeah. going to be a colloquialism, I think. Ah, I, yeah. me, I just throw <laughs> stuff out there. I don't. God, so humble. Wow. Uh, let's move back. Over, let's move over to uh, River Phoenix just a moment. So you grew up in McCanopy, Florida. Mm -hmm. uh, your family lived in desperate poverty as opposed to George Orwell. You were the bottom of the ship pile instead yes, of being the top yes, of the ship I pile. Yes, yes, I suppose in, yeah. that, in that informal caste system, I would be at the bottom mm -hmm. of the ship pile. So I read on the Wikipedia that you and your sister had to perform on street corners for money to help support the family, right? So you guys were, yes. were singing songs, you were playing guitar. And that yes, kind of yes, all of that, mm -hmm. all of that, yes. Now, I didn't see on the Wikipedia what your parents were doing then. So, like, did they also have an income to supplement the money that... You and your sister Rain were making while you're performing music on street corners. Well, well, you know, I th I think it was 
generally known that the two of us had the most talent in the family. Okay. You know? Well, there's other jobs besides things that require talent, right? Yes, of course. Uh, but, you know, our family was very much sort of all about maximizing the talent. Mm. You know, they were all about just making money through talent or bust was really what we said every day. If it's not about talent, then we're not even going to make any money. More or less. You know? yes, There's no talent in being a, I mean, this is, um, this is what your parents would say. I'm guessing there's no talent in being a janitor. There's no talent in, in mining coal. Well, it's well, be artistic, you know. creative talent or nothing. Yes. I mean, they, they didn't reference those occupations Specific jobs. specifically, mm-hmm. But, you know, that being said, the two of them, well, you know, they they were home. They tinkered around with some things. They they tried to make some art, you know, mm. paintings, um, pottery, mm. okay. bunch of things. But it just turned out that, you know, our music was really where we were really making the most. And it's not a lot, but mm-hmm. a little bit of money. So. Yeah. So they just they, they weren't able to match the amount of street corner money that you and your sister exactly. Rain were making. Exactly. Okay, that makes sense. River mm-hmm. and Rain. Those are beautiful, beautiful names. And that's not yeah. all. There's also Liberty mm-hmm. as well. There was there's Joaquin, who's still a very famous uh, celebrity. Yes. Mm-hmm. And exactly. um, Summer, I think, was the most normal of the... Uh, of the Phoenix mm-hmm. children names, you know. I would say Joaquin. We think Joaquin yes, more than Summer. Say, yes. I know a lot of Summers, women mm-hmm. who are named Summer. Yes. You know. Well, you know, those, except for Joaquin, most of the other names are, well, I think in today's terms, but they would call hippie names. Hippie names. Yes. yes. River, rain, yes, liberty. Liberty, mm. summer. Gotcha. Um, of course, back then, that was just... The seasons that we were born in. You were born in the rain season. Exactly. The river season. The exactly. liberty season. Exactly. And, and the Joaquin season. Well, well, Joaquin is a different. Gotcha. Uh, yes, gotcha. that's why I'm okay. saying he's different. Mm-hmm. He's the only one that my parents decided to really, you know, not bullshit around and really put some thought into a name. Okay. They, they, they're the one, because everything else was real spur of the moment, just picking a name out of a hat. I, yes, I never, well, you know, a literal hat was not used, but I mm-hmm. really didn't get the impression that they put a lot of thought into the other names. Okay. Yes. Now, so obviously you did not live long enough to have a family yourself. Would you have kept up that tradition, though, of having uh sort of off the beaten path family names if you were to have a family if you were to have children uh no i i don't believe so i think the times have changed mm. you know since um since i was a child um and i just believe in having a more neutral name so you know that child can kind of Grow into their own personality without any outside without conceptions. The, the burden of having an interesting name. There really yes. is the burden. You, you know, oh, God, your name's Pencil. Now I have to be interesting yes, to I mean, match more that or less. name. Yes, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, us being in the streets, playing music, etc. I, I don't mean to be offensive here, but with names like Rain and River... Is that really that surprising? Mm, that you became creatives, of course. They painted well, you into a corner. They with those really names. did. Yes, they yeah. did. They now did. the Wikipedia also says you didn't go to school. We talked about this a second yes. ago. I was under the impression that your parents taught you how to read and write, but you're saying you never learned how to read or write. Well, I suppose that was a bit of a black and white way of saying it. Mm-hmm. You know, I I can make out some 
uh, general things. But mm. unfortunately, you know, Miss Dora, I've never had the level to read any of your books, for instance. Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah, because, you know, everybody reads Orwell when you're in like high school. Yeah, exactly. you know? Well, you know, if it wasn't required, people wouldn't read my books. That's, That's not what I true. say. Oh. That's no. not true, George Orwell. What? I read 1984 and Animal Farm on my own because they were not in my curriculum in high school. Well, wow. thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I love them. I love them. I think they're great. You know, they're not perfect, but thank you. No, I think they are. I think they're great. Oh. I've um, heard very good things. <laughs> very good thank things you. about And I loved you. I loved you as young Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And among, among River Phoenix's other works as well. Mm-hmm. So we're all fans of each other. We can, we can say that That's unequivocally. Uh, so let's move back over to Oral for just a moment. Uh, if you're just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. And my guests today are American actor, musician, and activist River Phoenix. Hello. And early 20th century English novelist George Orwell. Well, hello. So because of your financial situation and because you didn't do all that well in school, your family decided to have you join the Indian Police Service, uh-huh. where you would serve as a police officer uh, in one of, the col- one of the British colonies in India and surrounding India. Uh, and this was a decision that the Wikipedia says your family made this decision for you to join the police yes, force yes. in this colony. Yes. Did you have anything to say about that? Like you just finished school. Well, I, you know what? I, it sounded good. I didn't think of it, but it, I was like, do I get a gun? Cause I love, I love a gun. I'd love to have a gun. You really like a gun? George I like Orwell? a gun. Yeah. Mm, okay. I like a gun. So I said, if I can have a gun. And of course, I said, "Well, it's British police. You don't get a gun." Oh, right. But by then, I you wanted of... to go to whatever police force would let you carry a gun, and obviously, in in uh, England, it's just uh, batons. Batons, mm-hmm. yes, batons and whistles. Mm-hmm. So, but I, at that point, I was uh, pa- what's the phrase? Pound committed. Penny. Pound, uh, <laughs> penny. Pound. I was committed anyway. I yeah. said, I'd love to be a police. In know, for a penny, in, in for, for a, a pound. pound. I was pound committed. Mm-hmm. And I and I thought, um, well, I can't say I only wanted to do this for the gun, mm. you know, because they'll think I'm a psychopath. Yeah. So I Definitely. said, uh, so I said, I'd limit it for justice, you know, mm. to, to, you know. You want to make sure that the laws are being obeyed. That the laws are being obeyed. Gotcha. Weren't, you weren't scared at all? Like, oh, my God, I'm going to another country. I haven't a place I haven't been since I was one year old. No, and I'm I, gonna have to tell all those people how to how to how to obey their laws. Like, no, I was I because I was like, you know, I'm from here, I'm you, from here, <laughs> so so I know what's up. You know, even I'd though say, you'd only been there one one year, zero to one, from yes. zero to one. That's yeah. correct. Yes, but you know, I I learned a lot in, through osmosis. You mm-hmm. know, so I, when you went back, did you feel, you know, comfortable? Were you like, oh yeah, of course? I said, there's the ah, old smell place. that. Smell that uh, New Delhi air. You know, it mm. smells like home. You know, mm. smells like home. Little, I was a little, uh, it's a little bit of a dick about it. I mean, did you have show. any friends there that you had made from zero to one that you're like, oh my God, it's so good to see you again? Uh, I, I, I can't wait to see uh, Tedro. Tedro. Tedro, you know, he, okay. he had died, unfortunately. Oh, that is Crushed so under a mule. Okay. And oh, sat on yeah. him. Did anybody remember you from when you were there from zero to one? I think they did, but they didn't. They no one said out loud that they did, but I think I think people you know they were just playing knew. it cool. Yeah, you know people are playing it cool. So I'd, I'd go around and I wouldn't recognize anyone, but I'd, I'm sure they rec- somebody recognized me because mm. I was I'm from there. Okay. That's the thing. I'm from there, so I knew I was like I know how to I know how to talk to these people. You know, they're my people. These are my people. These are my people. You, you know, know, our skin color's different, but we're all but we were all born here. But, you know. We're all we're all Indian. Mm-hmm, that's right. Now, while you were working there at the Indian Police Service, you got a few tattoos. 
Is that right? That's right. So I know about the small blue circle on each knuckle. Check it out. Okay. Yeah, it looks looks pretty dope, right, River? Yeah, very dope. Did you get any tattoos while you were alive, River Phoenix? No, uh, surprisingly, I had no tattoos. Interesting. Many people thought I did. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I would mean, have guessed you did. I'm imagining exactly. the circle you ran in, a lot of cool people, a lot of rock stars. Yes, a lot, exactly. A lot of cool actors. Exactly. I'm sure there were a bunch of nights when maybe well, uh, maybe Johnny Depp or Flea are like, hey, why don't we go get a couple of tattoos, River Phoenix? Yes. And in fact, you know, you that actually literally did happen multiple Whoa. times. Okay. Those two love tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, uh, I, I guess I just well, I had such a short life, too, but... You know, I just didn't think there was anything significant enough to tattoo on my body at that point. Mm, interesting. If you, well, we'll go back to this. Yes, but of I, I'd really like to know if you were going to get a tattoo, what that tattoo would be. Sure. So, yeah. Did you get any other tattoos, George Orwell, besides the little che- blue circles on your knuckles? Yeah. Che- well, che- what? For- oh. I'm sorry. Can, I'm sorry. Can, <laughs> I just, can I just ask? I'm so sorry to interrupt, but what do the blue circles mean? Check this oh, out. Oh, yeah. What do the blue circles mean? Yeah. When you see the blue circles, you're in trouble. It means, uh oh. Like that. You see one O and then the other O. Oh, oh, okay. you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. You don't want to see those blue circles. You don't want to see those blue circles. That. You're lucky I, don't, lucky I don't have a gun. Oh, oh. Yeah, but check this out. Ah. Ooh. Whoa. It's a wow. trident on my tongue. You got a trident tattoo on your tongue? Yeah, it hurts so much. Jesus. Yeah. What's the what's the significance of that trident tattoo? I Well, I'd say, uh oh. You know, I'd punch him in that. Uh, you mess with the devil, you get the. The tines. You get the tines. You mess with the devil, you get the tines. Does the devil have a trident? Is that a traditionally? I thought it was more like a pitchfork or something. I always associate a trident with like some god of the sea, like Mm. an Aquaman or King Triton. Yeah, exactly. Certainly a King Triton. I'm not saying that the devil can't have a trident. That's not what I but I You know what I'm picturing that you I don't know if this is a British thing or an American thing. Deviled ham? Do you have that? Deviled ham. Yes, the yeah. little mascot of the deviled ham. He's got a trident. Mm, yeah, I guess, sure. I, I guess I never. I mean, it's probably. I don't a trident. know. I went. I I was very drunk when I got it. <laughs> I said. Uh, I will say that because of the color of your tongue, it mm. really does look like a devil trident as opposed to a sea god trident. Thank you. Yeah. And Ooh. if you saw that, you knew you were. Headed for trouble, baby. So you're already in trouble because you got the uh-ohs on the knuckles. Yes. And then after you give them the uh-ohs, you stick your tongue out. That's right. So okay. it's insult to injury. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh-oh. Any, so you know. any other tattoos, they don't even have to be tattoos that are threatening, you know. It seems like all your tattoos were, were supposed to be done in a sequence, like knuckles, then tongue. <laughs> or right. Are there other steps to the sequence after that? Yes, check this out. Okay. okay. Undo my belt buckle here. Okay. Taking down my pants mm-hmm. and see my butt. Okay. So yes. we got a we got a tattoo on your butt here. Yes, it's a middle finger. Okay. It's a middle finger and then so, the forefinger also. So, so that V, that British middle finger. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Because that is of course the uh, the hand signal for fuck fuck off. Yes. Right? Up yeah. your bum. So it's uh, one half on each cheek. That's so why really, I said. That's why I said middle finger because you'd see it on the right yes. on the right side here. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then if you look on the right. On the, so really, it's just I'm like quite a, a punch to this face. <laughs> And then I take my tongue out you, and I take my pants off and show you my butt. Show you my butt. Where there's a fuck you thing. That's right. Wow. And I'd wiggle it, so it'd go up and down. Mm-hmm. And I'd say... This seems like... I so mean, I'd say, uh-oh, you're in trouble. I like how all your tattoos kind of like relate to each other. They're all in the f- same family, mm-hmm. you know? How do you mean? 
it's, it's the same family. Like it's it's one action that causes the reveal of each of the tattoos. Oh yeah, like it's yeah. yeah. It's, uh, you oh, you're in trouble. Sh- you wouldn't show somebody uh, your mess, best tattoo mess without with the w at the times. without first right showing them your uh ohs and then your your devil's tattoo. Right, right. Yeah. So there's yes, it's, uh, unless I was you know getting uh, intimate with a woman, then she would see. But not be, but not because you're showing it well, to her. Like I guess fuck she'd off. see the. F- She'd see my hands first, then she'd see my tongue, and then she would see my naked my naked butt. So I guess it still works. So I guess there are a lot of ways that people would see these that don't have to do with you beating them up. Right, but they're still in the same sequence. Yes, gotcha, gotcha. So it'd right. be like, oh, oh, and then, uh, ooh, I'm getting ooh. the tines. Yes, I'm yeah. getting the tines. You're getting the tines, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you show the butt, and they're like, up my bum. Oh, my. Well, up my bum. I guess, I. why not? Yes. It is a good Friday. <laughs> uh, let's go back over to River Phoenix for just a moment. So you began acting at a very young age. Yes. And I would love to know a little bit about some of your early work. So when you were 10 years old, you did a few commercials. Mm-hmm. Just going to put you, my pants back on. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, okay. yeah. make yourself okay. comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did commercials for uh, Mitsubishi. Ocean Spray and for Saks Fifth Avenue. Yes. And I was wondering if you remember any of those commercials, if you would be able to remember what your part was in them, what the story was about them. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, I was very young. Okay, yes. Um, For Mitsubishi, surprisingly, they had me drive the car. You were driving a car? I was driving a car. Oh, wow. It was was very revolutionary at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I I can see that. It's like a fun commercial. Like this this car driving like crazy. Exactly. The window rolls down and it's like, uh uh-oh. 10-year-old kid. Exactly. Oh, my God. Exactly. Yes, yes. It was actually a very popular commercial. Um, and as you said, it was sort of innovative for its time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did get pulled very early, though. It just caused a lot of similar types of accidents. Because um, people would put their kids in the car. Exactly. And yes. then they'd be like, isn't this funny? It's like the commercial. But then those kids would obviously crash the car. Yes. That's actually my car was actually or my car commercial was actually the uh, first commercial where they subsequently decide to put that little uh, fine print at the bottom. Do not try this at home. Oh, Actually, that's where that comes from. Yes, yes. Mine was revolutionary in that sense. A lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so then there's the Ocean Spray commercial. Yes, the open Ocean Spray commercial. I'm just trying to think. I believe that was quite standard. Mm-hmm. Um I was just drinking in some, drinking some grape juice or cranberry juice. Or oh, something. well, I was in the, um, you know, you know, like that, uh, the body of water where the cranberries floating on it. That's mm. always been their trademark. And I was in that. But of course, I was quite short at the time. So it wasn't really up to my waist. It was kind of like up to my neck. OK, so a, you're a kind in of a cranberry bog. Yes, yes. Bog, that's it. A yes. young River Phoenix's head is popping out out of the water. Yes, exactly. OK. Exactly. And did you say anything or do anything or was you just sort of like. Uh, I just said cranberries. Cranberries. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's artsy. Uh, yeah, yes. it makes me thirsty. It works. I thought it, I, I, I don't, I didn't really track it. I was so young, mm. but you know, uh, yeah, they, uh, they asked me to do other things. So I believe it was successful. Okay. And then what yeah. about uh, Saks Fifth Avenue? Yes. Yes. Saks Fifth Avenue. Uh, I was, um, what was I doing for that? Oh, yes, yes. You know, that one, it was interesting. They really wanted to push their shoe sales for that one. Okay. So I was actually just a young attendant for shoe, a young shoe salesman on, I believe at that time it was their fifth floor. I okay, now so Saks Fifth Avenue, fifth floor. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, and it, that that's what the commercial was a about. A 10-year-old shoe salesman. Exactly, yes. Okay, yes. now that seems a little odd. Like, what's the, pre- what, what, what was the, sort of the story of the commercial? Where did somebody like buy a shoe and was like, it's like that's weird. It's a is a child selling me the shoe. Like was yeah, there? Yeah, you know, I, I 
believe what are they going for? Yeah, I, it's a good question. Um, at the time, of course, I didn't question it. I was so young. Of I just course. wanted the money, really, or mm-hmm. my family did. Uh, but I believe at the time it was just a part of a a movement, you know, where um, uh, a movement to tell kids to grow up, basically. Oh, okay. wow. get yeah. a job, take Stop. responsibility. Exactly. Stop coddling your children. Mm. Uh, you know, if your children. Uh, well, not work because, of course, that's child labor. But at the time, you know, child labor laws were a lot looser. You mm-hmm. know, of course, was, you're working at ten years old. Exactly, there was mm-hmm. a lot more of contribute to the family type of thing. And you mm-hmm. know, that's really what the Mitsubishi car commercial and this Saks Fifth Avenue commercial really had in common. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. Children start taking some responsibility. Exactly. Go out, get yes. a job, be an adult. Yes. But I, but I have to say, the Saks Fifth Avenue commercial was was quite a flop. I'll say it. Ah, uh, um, that one wasn't I think, good. I think I'm allowed to say that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's totally fine. You you know, it was earlier in your career. You're allowed to have a couple of mistakes exactly. back then. Uh, but you and your sister, additionally, you did warm up for a show called Real Kids. Is that right? Yes. All right. I want to know all about this show, Real Kids, and mm-hmm. what you and Rain did to warm up the audience for this live for the show that was happening in front of a live studio audience. Yes, of course. Well, you know, the premise of the show was real kids, so real, kids. real children. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, so, you know, we came out and sort of showed the reality of what childhood was at the mm, time. Okay. So we started with a couple of, well, we, we did start off with the singing because well, as we So said, you're talking about the warm up now, right? Yes, the warm up, yes. Okay, yes. but what, like, what did the show do that was oh. like showing what real kids were? Like, would they just put kids in the studio and let them do whatever they wanted or was it like a like a talk show or yeah was, sure oh okay game show of course i, was, I apologize i, I okay. wanted me to talk about the warm-up no, i do want to hear about that too okay yeah, yeah. the show itself yes it was a, a i thought a kind of an odd concept looking back um it was just showing kids as they lead their normal lives okay. so what it really was was a very novel concept at the time but a hidden camera um, that was installed in children's bedrooms and living rooms. All right. With uh, with parents' consent and the children were aware of the cameras. Yes, I, I'm going to be honest. Um, and, you know, I was just a warm-up act, so I don't really know. Uh, I don't know if I was too plugged into the actual consent. But Yeah, that I don't, being I don't said, know if a 10-year-old River yeah. Phoenix knew all about the legal yeah. ramifications. But I will say, that being said, you know, as I heard about it in my older age, um, uh, you know, the consent, well, it was... Back then, it was a little iffy, I'll Mm. say. Yes, the parents were generally okay with it uh, because, you know, they were getting paid for this type of thing. Now, I do have a question, though, because, like, you know, you you were doing warm-up for the audience. Mm -hmm. So the show was filmed in front of a live studio audience. But it was also a hidden camera show, you said. Yes, it was quite odd. Um, Mm -hmm. The warm-up was the most live part about the show. Okay, so then you'd warm up the crowd and then you'd watch the TV show. And then we'd all just sit back and and watch watch the big screen. Yes, exactly. Did they record the audience reaction at all? Excuse me? Did they record the audience's reaction at all? I'm just wondering why there's an audience there. Uh, it's a very good question. Mm. Um, and they did. They did record course, the audience reactions. Did, yes. Yes, mm. yes, yes. I mean, it could have been just like an early version of like viral marketing. Like everybody watch the show and then go out and tell people they how tell great it is. tell 10 friends and then they tell 10 friends. Exactly. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Okay. So then, so how did you warm up the audience then for watching this show? Sure. That was just cameras hidden in children's rooms. Yes. To to watch like what <laughs> the their bedroom and the living room. What their lives are like. Those two. Rooms. Right. All right. Bedroom and living room. Well, well, uh, yes. So as I said, just given that our warm up was really the only live part of the show, mm-hmm. 
uh, we wanted to give the audience a fun time. Uh, so my sister and I really did go all out in the in the live part of it. Uh, so we started with at this at this point a quite refined routine of what we used to perform on the streets, which is what I yeah. talked to you about earlier. So okay. we sang a couple of songs, harmonized among them, some self written, some you know popular some standards. ones, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then after that we. <laughs> Well, you know, we went straight into some sketches. Um, some sketches. Some sketches. So you did a little comedy. We did a little bit of comedy. All yes. Right. So oh. Maybe like a like like a Sunny and Cher style banter between the two of you. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Can can we get a little taste? Like, do you remember any of the old routine? Like, um, sure, sure. There was one um, where well, we were acting um, as a married couple. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and well, I suppose nowadays you describe it as the game, um, the game of that comedic, the comedic premise um, uh, was that they just kept on forgetting their children's names. So you were playing a married couple who couldn't remember their kids' names? Yes, exactly. You know, that was that was sounds honestly classic. quite real to our situation. It sounds great. It sounds awesome. Oh, I, I can imagine in your household when your parent gets mad, your father gets mad at you and tries to remember your name. River, exactly. rain, summer, yes. liberty, Joaquin, get, exactly. get in here. You know, I mean, uh, Geo, Jude. Um, <laughs> yes, Joaquin uh, was couch. always. Uh, yes, whatever exactly. your name is. Starshine. Exactly. <laughs> now, again, Empathy. Joaquin was always remembered. Okay, I'm a bit mm-hmm. bitter yes, about of course, that. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Stood out. But the rest of us, just we were all grouped into nature themes. You mm. know? Yeah, rock, twig, berry, exactly. get in here. Exactly, exactly. Oh, that is very interesting. I'm re- very I really funny. wish I could see this show, um, Real Kids. I hope there's there's video of this somewhere. Uh, we got to take a short break, but we'll be right back with George Orwell and River Phoenix on Famous Dead People. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or whatever app you are using to listen to podcasts. Rate us five stars, leave a comment, tell your friends. All that stuff helps us out a ton. And feel free to hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioForBrooklyn.org if you want a specific Famous Dead person on the show or if you have any comments that you want to shoot over to us, whatever we love hearing from fans. Uh, Also, check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now. It is hilarious. I hope that you will check that out and read that and uh, leave reviews, awesome reviews on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or whatever and tell your friends to read it because it's super funny and I want that money. Also, go check out JarrettBarrenson.com for all the latest on my show dates and uh, up-to-date project information. And lastly, if you really like Famous Dead People and you want to send us some money to help keep the show on the air, go to RadioForBrooklyn.org slash Famous Dead People and click on the Support the Show button. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the podcast. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jared Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are American actor, musician, and activist famous for films such as Stand By Me and My Own Private Idaho, River Phoenix. Hello. And early 20th century English novelist, journalist, and critic, Eric Arthur Blair, a.k.a. George Orwell. Hello. Uh, So let's go back to you, George Orwell. So when you're 25 years old, you move back to London to become a writer. You give up the uh, the job in the Indian police service. I was fired. Oh, you were fired? Yes. For how come? Well, you know how... Okay. Well, so the, 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 the very, there was a lot of, okay, I'm sorry, I get agitated, but there was, there's so many people, you know, you just wears on you after a while. So, uh, and I was doing mainly traffic enforcement. So I'd say, mm. move that car, 
And well, one thing led to another. I ran up to a horse and I said, oh, oh. Oh, and you showed him the tat. I showed him the, showed the, him the tat. Oh. Punched oh the horse in the you face. Punched the horse in the face. Yes, and then I stuck out my tongue. And the, of course, you yes, got to do the whole stuck, thing. Stuck out my tongue. Mm-hmm. I was being pants. dragged away. I was trying to unbuckle my pants as, my, as I was being dragged away. And then I was tossed out of the service. Here's my question. Yeah. Did you get fired for punching a horse or for showing your butt to a horse? Or is it all like a melange it was behavior the, it that was they the whole did thing. not care for. It was the gotcha. whole thing. Plus some other, other stuff I did. I just would have loved it if your commissioner was like, listen, if you had just punched a horse, we would have been fine with that. You know, it's it's a stressful job. You got to punch a horse every now and again. Yeah. Well, but you showed no, your butt to a horse. It was the it was the whole thing. It was the tongue, mm. which is considered very offensive. Oh, uh, I didn't. I thought that would be the lowest uh, insult of all the three things. No, it's yeah. considered yeah. very offensive to horses. I see. Specifically. Mm. And, uh, you know, and I did some other stuff, too. But, uh, you know, so. The, I was like, so, you did some other stuff? Hmm? Yes. You I, did some other stuff. Did some other stuff. Was it? I was at, a prankster in the at, police service. Wait, so it's not to the horse that you did other stuff. You just mean like other just stuff in that general. You did in general. I, yes. What kind like, of pranks did you do, George Orwell? Uh, I would I would replace all the water in the water tank with whiskey. <laughs> okay. Oh. Which some people liked it. Some people probably loved. But it that. got hot, mm. you know. And then sometimes you, you know, people would uh, would dehydrate and pass out and have to yeah, go to hospital. A little dangerous. <laughs> yes, especially so, in hot climates. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very expensive. Oh yeah, like, it's very expensive, expensive prank for you. Yes. yes. I mean, you, did you pay for that? No, I got it out of the evidence locker. I'm surprised you didn't get fired for that. Uh, it's a, there was a, I did a lot of stuff. It's a, it's a delicate web of reasons why George Orwell got fired from the Indian police service. Yeah, so they said, you know, give us your badge and your gun. So and a I lot said, of... I, I said, gun? <laughs> they were like, didn't you get a gun? Ah, Wait, oh. so this whole, heartbreaking. whole reason why you went down there was to have a gun and then they never even they gave never you gave a gun. They never, I was 15 minutes late on at orientation and, I, and that's, that's when, when they, gave, get, the when they gave out the guns. I was really surprised you didn't mention, you didn't say something like, uh, excuse me. Why well, didn't know? I'm out here patrolling these streets. I'm I, out here in Burma keeping keeping everyone safe. And, yeah, well, uh, you know, I said, gun. I said well, if they're not going to give me a gun, I got to do so. I got to protect myself. That's mm-hmm. when I went out and got all the, all the tattoos. All the tats? Got the raging tats. drunk. So the tats mm-hmm. was to I got, protect yourself. Because you didn't have a gun. Exactly. Gotcha. To soup, you know, soup my head up, if you will. Mm-hmm. And you to know. intimidate others. Hey, if you were thinking about trying something, don't. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Because look at what daddy's got here. No, no. Yeah. No, no. No, no. See, now look here under my elbow here. You see a little stop sign. A stop sign? Yeah. So oh, okay. That's, yeah, that's like a preemptive like, mm-hmm. So it's you would a warning. Do, so you do so the stop sign before you did the uh ohs yeah. yeah. on your fists. I gave people one chance. <laughs> so <laughs> stop. That's fun. I didn't realize that there was a step before the uh ohs before the fists. Sometimes I would skip it. You know. I see. Okay. Yeah, but uh, so yeah. So you get fired. Oh, first of all, you said that you you would steal the whiskey from the evidence locker. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of whiskeys getting a lot of a lot of whiskey, a lot of whiskey getting crimes. impounded. Well, mainly bootlegging. Oh, you know, so I see. So, yeah, you know, okay. the, the the poorest of the poor would make their own whiskey mm. and then I would say oh you you're the bottom of the shit pile I'm the top of the shit pile mm-hmm. and then I'd say you better stop I'd point at my elbow mm-hmm. and you know they'd usually stop because I was a policeman I would take yes. the whiskey impound oh. it steal it from the evidence locker and all of a sudden you're like here, we are ripe for a prank right now <laughs> it's we got prank this, time we got you this whiskey here corrupt. and mm-hmm. everyone knew that I, everyone's like it's not funny George we all know what you did and I'd say mm-hmm. have some have some water everybody it's hot Again, and I would drink they're calling you George too even though <laughs> you your your pseudonym George Orwell was specifically for when you were a writer nobody called you Eric <laughs> 
Nobody called you Eric ever? No one called me Eric. George. It was always George. Oh, but wow. for a different reason there. Oh, not not because you liked uh, Christmas pudding. Right. No, because I'd someone yelled, hey, George. And uh, I turned and looked. And then everyone thought my name was George and I didn't want to be rude. I mean, that makes sense because yes. your mom called you George so much. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I wanted to ask you about was, so you moved to London. You decide you're going to be a writer. And you start doing these research trips to the east end of London, to the poor neighborhoods of Paris, to learn about people who are living in extreme poverty. Is that That's right? That's right. Yes, I did. Okay. So you even went so far as to dress like you were homeless, and you created an alias named P.S. Burton so that you could pretend to be homeless and really explore, get you know, get your uh, boots in the mud. I did. Your elbows in the mud, as, as the saying goes. You know, they're not going to talk to you if you go, go in a buttoned-up waistcoat. Mm-hmm. You, know, you got spats. a top hat on. They're going to be top like... Hat. Get out of here, governor. Yes, uh, uh, shove off, governor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, piss. Why don't you uh, why don't you take them spats and uh, go have tea with the queen there, governor? Yeah, why don't you have a crumpet with the, the PM? This is this is pretty fun. You want to try one of these, right? <laughs> <laughs> you want to try one of these, River? You want to get out of this? You just pick a British food and then a, yeah. a position in government? Or like a fancy, uh, oh. fancy kind of dress thing, like a cummerbund or a... Or a vest, maybe. Mm, all right. Uh, we can go back. We can go back to you if you like. No, no, I can do this. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, why River Phoenix. You, let's see. Why don't you take a scone, Queen? All right. Wait, did, does that work? It, that's not exactly Damn the, the pattern. Uh, we okay. would say like, hey, uh, hey, uh, why don't you take that uh, pocket watch of yours and. Uh, uh, go have a, a slice of kidney pie with the uh, du- Duchess of York. Okay, so where I went wrong was I was not descriptive. <laughs> I was not descriptive enough on my item. I apologize. <laughs> That's okay. That's I'll okay. think. I'll think harder. Okay, so we'll come back to you. All right. Yes. So, um, what what was it that you were trying to discover about living in poverty with this alias? Like, what what did you think you were going to find? I I was like, how do they do it? How do they live on sawdust mm-hmm. and you know uh, garbage? I was under a lot of delusion. I, I, I assume they ate just garbage and mm-hmm. sawdust. Because you're like almost homeless already. You're very poor. Well, I didn't have a I didn't have a place to live. Mm-hmm. So I slept on the streets. Okay, so you were homeless. Hmm? So you were a homeless person. No, George no, I wasn't. I wasn't homeless. I I I would. Uh, well, I had a lot of lady friends. I see. Oh. So you were doing that thing where you just uh, go over to a lady's house. Yes, her, I would go. Give her the business. You know, I'd hang out with spend her. Spend the night. Well, I wouldn't spend the night. Well, you wouldn't I was spend a gentleman. The night. I would sleep outside. Okay. <laughs> Why wouldn't you spend the night? Yeah, you, you don't have a place to sleep. In. No, I was uh, uh, manners, my dear. <laughs> manners. I see. Yeah. Okay, yes. so you were going to these women's houses. You're giving them the business. I was giving them the business. Living, yeah. Leaving, sleeping on the street like a homeless person. Mm-hmm. And then in the morning, you would put on worse clothes and then go pretend to be homeless, even though you were effectively homeless. I would put on different clothes. Gotcha. That, okay. You know, sometimes it would just involve turning my shirt inside out. Okay. I have a lot more questions about this, but I want to go back to River Venus for a moment. First of all, do you have do you have a burn prepared? Uh, no, like, I honestly, I have to be honest. After I flopped so hard that time, I don't know if I can do it again. That's okay. You know, confidence is very important. It really is. Uh, uh, so I want to ask you about one of your acclaimed roles. Uh, you played in the film My Own Private Idaho, a gay prostitute. Yeah. And the Wikipedia says that in order to prepare for that role, you and another male actor did oral sex on each other. 
as part of the method to like figure out what it would be like and to get into character. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I'd like to ask you about some of your other roles Sure. and ask if you did similar things to help prepare for those roles. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you were obviously in the movie stand by me Yes. where you were one of a group of kids who went into the woods to go look at a dead body. Mm -hmm. So did you do any preparation similar to your preparation for my own private Idaho for your role in stand by me? Uh, sure. I I did a little bit. You know, I I was I suppose what they now consider method acting. Mm. Um, just wanted to replicate it close as possible. So, but first of all, I didn't really have a friend group of three other men mm. guys. So I kind of made that happen. Uh, I just befriended three random people. Okay, so you're a little kid. I was a little child. You're right child. about to do this movie. Yes, And yes. you're looking around, you're like, I don't have any other kid I friends. I really don't. You know, it was really just me and my siblings all the time. Mm. And, um, so, yes, I was like, okay, I, I got to be able to hang out with some people that I'm not related with. So, uh, as we were saying earlier, I did not go to school, but I did walk by one. So, you walked, so in order to prepare for Stand By Me, you walked by a school. Exactly. I walked <laughs> okay. by a school. I hung out in their recess, sort of. Uh, you know, took some time, but really built a friend group of three other boys. Okay. Uh, I led them outside the recess eventually so we could kind of see what it felt like to break the rules. Okay, yeah. Unfortunately, I then dropped them as soon as filming started. Uh, uh, they were like, oh, I guess we're friends with this Hollywood actor now. And then you're like, psych. Yes, uh-uh. what you would say nowadays. But mm-hmm. we also, I will say, uh, did break into a morgue. I, I guess I can say this now. It's... Um, Wait, you broke into a morgue with the kids or by yourself? Uh, with the kids. So yes, you and your the friend kids. group, these these three kids that you became friends with to prepare for Stand By Me, mm-hmm. you broke into a morgue together to look at a dead body? Yes, we broke. Because again, you know, as you even said in the Wikipedia snippet, that was the key uh, really turning point in that movie. Mm, yes. Had to make sure the reaction was mm-hmm. real. Interesting. Okay. And what about the movie uh, Sneakers, where you were part of a, a group of... Uh, of high tech uh, thieves, you would break into banks and you would do hacking and you would uh, do industrial espionage stuff like that. Did you do any kind of prep for that movie? Yes, actually. Um, well, I have to admit I was not as successful, but I did try to break into a bank just because Ooh. that was the plot. Yes, okay. yes, yes, I mean that's good. That's good prep. You know, that's well, I took it very seriously, you know, mm. to really replicate what the plot of these movies were. But you said that you were unsuccessful in robbing the bank. I was unsuccessful. How, in how robbing far the did bank. you get? <laughs> well, yes, I went into the bank. Um, I, you know, kind of wore the standard mask and all that stuff. Mm-hmm, of course. Um, but yes, you know, similar to you, Miss Orwell, I just wasn't able to get my hands on a gun, you see. Oh, that's a shame. And that was... Was it cold? Like, were there a lot of people wearing masks? Uh, well, why would you ask? A lot of I people mean, it's, you didn't... You didn't you, did you, you go get in trouble? Did you yeah, go to jail? If you walk into a bank wearing a mask, no, oh, sure, no gun... of course. And there's other people wearing masks because it's cold outside, then no one's even going to think you're a robber, you know? No, 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 no. I mean, it was, it was summer, okay? It was summer. <laughs> I so was the only. I was the only one. But exactly. So you're uncomfortable also because it's how hot. I'm it is. uncomfortable. Yeah. It was extremely hot. You know. Uh, yes. I. I was. I stood out. I stood out. Okay. And I. I still wanted to get the rush of the criminal robbing the bank, so I tried to rob it with my bare hands. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
unfortunately, obviously, as you could probably expect, it did not work out. Um, well, did, did they did they stop you? Was there a security guard there? Did they get arrested? I did get arrested. Very fortunately, uh, I suppose I can say this. Uh, my 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 agent um, worked to sort of get that off mm, the books. Yes, yes, that makes sense. Uh, High powered agents. Yes. Unfortunately, I had to promise a percentage of my movie uh, movie revenues oh, to your agent. For sneakers to yes to sneaker to my agent, but also to the um to some of the more unsavory people in the police force. Uh, That's, that was the bribe. deal. A bribe. Yes, a bribe. You exactly. did a back-end that movie was a bribe. Back-end, back-end movie bribe. And mm. they were quite receptive. And, you know, I, I hear that that's, a, that's just standard practice there in Hollywood, you know, doing mm. back-end movie bribes. Exactly. Get away with whatever you like. That's why they're all doing cocaine and stuff like that out there, you know? <clears throat> that's mm, yeah. that's right. I can't what deny it. What a cesspool. It. Now, did you, so you were pretty successful at George Orwell towards the end of your life, you know, with Animal Farm and with 1984, especially 1984 was such a huge success. Well, people Did liked your it. agents ever have to get you out of any any jams? I mean, I know when 1984 came out, you were very sick. You were in the hospital. But, I mean, were there any scrapes that your agents had to swoop in and give them a little back-end book deal? Uh, I, I got into a very pathetic, I, I mean, I'll be honest, it was a pathetic fist fight with an orderly. A fist fight. Pathetic fist fight with an orderly. Oh my god! I was very sick, mm. and she was very old, and I. The orderly was old. The orderly, an old was woman, old, very old woman. Okay. Matronly, very sweet, sweet old lady. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, I said, you know who I am? You know who I am? And she said, Yes, Mr. Orwell, I know who you are. And I said, I'm George, George Orwell. And uh, you know, I don't know. I was angry, so I just I said, Stop! And she said, I'm going to leave now. And I said, Wait, there's. M- there's more to this. There's more. There's, there's a lot of steps she involved. Said, she there's said, a lot of more tattoos I got to show you. I said, stop. And she said, what is what is that? And she leaned in. So I was like, ah, here's my chance. And I said, oh, oh. And I've just, that's how I sounded. Just so you, sick. a sick 46-year-old George Orwell, yes. basically on your deathbed, famous for writing 1984 and Animal Farm, mm-hmm. you, you punched an old an orderly woman in the face. Yes. I said, what is this? Water, I asked for whiskey. Oh, Do you know who I am? And see. Stop. She leaned in to see what it was. And mm-hmm. I said, uh-oh. And that's when you popped her. That's when I tried to hit her. I pathetically, mm-hmm. she just she just shook her head and walked out and reported me. Oh, so she wasn't even hurt by she the She wasn't face. even hurt. She was, she was just, yeah, she was like, that's, this is sad. That is pretty oh. embarrassing. And I'm she, surprised yeah. that your agents had to do anything. It doesn't. No, she reported me and they were going to kick me out. Of the hospital? Yes. Oh, Whoa. wow. So my agents had to come in and. You know, do a little back end book bribe. Back end book bribe. Mm. So that nurse got four well, percent. I think her family still gets four percent of the sales of Animal Farm oh, to this wow. day. Good wow. for her. You know, she deserves it. You I don't know think, what? Good for her. I, I, don't, I agree. I don't, I don't think you should have punched that old woman. Uh, I mean, she was fine. So what I wanted to ask you about when you used to get dressed up as a homeless person, mm-hmm. uh, P.S. Burton, your pseudonym. P.S. Burton. Uh, did you learn anything about poverty in London and Paris that was like that you had no idea? You're like, oh, my God, I can't believe that the poor people are doing this. You know, was there anything that you that you didn't put in the book because it was so fantastic? Like what was going on in the underbelly of of life in London and Paris? You know what? I didn't know there's there's. Poor people speakeasies in the east end of London. Oh, okay. Yes, where you go and you turn, uh, you find a, you find a ship, a ship, a ship wheel. Uh, you know those steering ship wheels. Yeah. You find a, a, a steering wheel for a ship. Steering wheel for a ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see a picture of that on a corner somewhere high up, you know, twenty feet up. You see that. You know, well, there's a very, very poor person uh, speakeasy there, and you go. Mm-hmm. You have to give the password, and you go in, and then 
that's where you get the mm. hooch. And, then, and so it's just like a bunch of really, really poor people drinking together. Yes, but you have to know the password. Okay. Well, I mean, why would anybody want to do that? Why would anybody want to go to a really, really poor person speakeasy? Um, good stories. Good stories. Okay. Camaraderie, and warmth. So, and so because you were dressed up as a homeless person, you had your pseudonym. Yes. P.S. Burton. Mm-hmm. P.S. Burton? Yes. P.S. Burton, I believe. Yeah, P.S. Burton. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were able to go to these poor person speakeasies, right? Which I'm assuming are just like regular speakeasies. Only nobody there has money they're, and all. They're the- outside. Oh, they're outside. Yes. Oh. Okay. In the open air, you you just you see the ship reel. You say you say the password to the first person you see. You find a group of uh, homeless gentlemen drinking together, and you walk up and you then you can join them. So not that secret. if you have if you bring your own if you bring, <laughs> you your, bring own, your own you, alcohol. It's BYOB. Of yes. course. Of okay. Course. So this is just the. Place to drink alcohol. Yeah, basically. not that secret. Also, if it's outside, you can just look at it and be like, "You don't need the steering wheel thing. You need the ship's wheel thing. You can just look over and see where a bunch of homeless people are drinking." Well, I guess they like the cloak and dagger of it all. Mm. You know? That makes sense. It is kind of fun. It's pretty cool. Yeah. If you're just joining us, this is famous dead people on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are early 20th century English novelist George Orwell. Hello. And American actor, musician, and activist River Phoenix. Hello. Uh, so in addition to your work, um, you know, uh, getting, getting all dressed up and, uh, and seeing how the poor lived, I read that you also wanted to see what it would be like to be in prison on Christmas. Uh-huh. So you got yourself arrested. You deliberately got yourself arrested so you could experience Christmas in prison. Is that right? Specifically Christmas, uh, Prison Christmas pudding. I wanted to know what that was like. <laughs> oh, such a fan of Christmas pudding that you're like, I wonder if it's as good or better. Yeah. So in I, prison. So yeah, right. I, I assumed it would be worse. I have to ask, was this for research for anything or was it just for the Christmas pudding? It was just for the pudding. Oh, okay. So this was not, you were not planning on putting this in any book at all. No, no. And I didn't. Gotcha. Famously, I didn't there, put that in a book. I guess I have to ask, are there any other places that you went to to try the Christmas pudding? You seem quite obsessed. Yeah. Well, that year was prison. I like to try any institutional puddings. Mm-hmm. Mm. So if I can. Maybe dress like an insane asylum? If I can act like a cuckoo and get thrown in an insane asylum on Christmas Eve, see what their pudding is like. All right. What other institutions can we get thrown in? Parliament. Uh, par- <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can get thrown in Parliament. They let any old joker in there. Shit, wow. That is. So I want a office. I want a political office just to just try to put the pudding in there. Yes. Wow. Now, I read that the police didn't think that your behavior was imprisonable. So you weren't actually in prison for Christmas. You were just in a jail cell for like two days. Right, right. Um, so, like, what happened when you realized that you're going to be let go? Like, did you try to do anything else to, like, to like was, get rearrested or anything? First of all, I was really angry at myself. You know, for failing. For, for, because I said, you know, why did I do this on the 22nd? <laughs> you know, <laughs> at least wait till the 24th. I don't understand what, what the fucking rush was. Whoa, I had to do it. I had to do it on the 22nd <laughs> instead of closer to Christmas. I would have been here. I so I was so mad the pudding. because I had the great idea. I was like, oh, I got a great idea. I'll go to jail, try the Christmas pudding. They'll just give it to me. They just give it to you there. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and I jumped the gun a little bit. Uh, so Yeah, real, real. You really dropped the ball there, George Orwell. Yeah. So, Jesus. So while I was, I said, well, no, I don't, no I'm not done. I don't, don't throw me out. I said, uh, you know, and so I, I said, I, I, I'm Jack the Ripper. You said, I'm Jack the Ripper. I said, I'm Jack the Ripper. Okay. And, and they said. What was the response to that? They said, well, that was 60 years ago, mm-hmm. 70 years ago. Uh, you're not Jack the Ripper. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to let you go. 
And then they let you go. Wow. And then they let me go. Oh, that's a shame. Well, at least you made it. At least you tried. <clears throat> you know. You know. At, at least, least I tried. You got to throw a hail mary every once in a while. It was, you know, looking back, I'm so glad that they didn't believe me because I would have rotted in jail. Yeah, you would not have done well. No, they, so. that's not a two-day offense, Mm-mm. being a murderer. That would probably have been the rest of your life. You mur- That guy murdered a lot of prostitutes. He was, yeah, he was. Mm. that was the thing he was most famous for. Yeah. <laughs> Jack the Ripper? Yes. Yeah, I don't think, people don't talk about his watercolors or anything, no. you know. No, uh, no. Let's go back over to uh, River Phoenix for just a moment. So mm. you were nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, yes. For your role in Running on Empty. Mm-hmm. Now, during the Academy Awards, Kevin Klein actually won the Oscar instead of you. Mm-hmm. But you leap up out of your seat anyways. Yes. And some people say it's because you thought you had won. And some people say it's because you wanted to run and give Kevin Klein a hug mm-hmm. uh, because you liked him so much and you were friends. Would you clarify for us <laughs> why you jumped up if it was if it was... One of those two reasons or maybe a, a different reason? Like, did you think you won? Did you want to say hi to Kevin Klein and congratulate him? Well, no, I fucking hated Kevin Klein. You hated Definitely Kevin? Not, no. River Phoenix hated, hated Kevin, Kevin Klein. Klein. Wow. I hated him. Wow. I thought he was a hack. Oh, wow. I've never won for as well. Uh, yes, to clarify, no, I, uh, I, well, I So definitely not to say congratulations. Not to say congratulations. Um. Yes, I I thought I had won. It's very embarrassing. Oh wow! Yes, I thought I had won. Well, I had been doing these meditation sessions, you know, a week leading up to the awards, a, a kind of thing where it's like if you believe it will happen. You're visualizing winning the yes, Oscar. Yes, yes, yes. And I think I had more or less brainwashed myself to really believe that was it. Oh, so yeah. I I actually heard my name mm-hmm. and I heard River it. Phoenix. It wasn't even a mistake. I heard it. Mm-hmm. Now, how far did you get? Like, did you did you make it all the way to the stage? Did, at, at, once, at one point, did you realize that you hadn't won, that Kevin Klein had won? No, no, I made it to the stage. Uh, oh, I wow. believe there's been a movie made about this, uh, I believe, in Zoolander. That was the scene in Zoolander. Oh, so that's, that's yes. like a re- recreating of what actually happened. Unfortunately, yes. Not a lot of people know, but it is a recreation of what happened. Did you I start giving a speech up. also? Yes, I had a speech all prepared. Oh, my God. I jumped up, went up to the stage. And I suppose now that I remember, I just took the award. You know, no one handed it to me. I just grabbed it. At this point, you still believed that you'd won. Oh, I never disbelieved. Yes, exactly. I still believed I won. Won up there, you know, started thanking my siblings, and my parents. Yes, and then, as well, you know the rest of it. It was very embarrassing, really. Mm. I, 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 uh... I went off on a little bender after that. Oh, you get a little little drunk to help ease the embarrassment. Yes, I didn't go to a single Oscar party. I was (sighs) I was invited to multiple of them. Of course, course. yeah, you're a hot hot Hollywood it boy. I was. You were young Indiana Jones. I was a young Indiana Jones. (laughs) You seem really focused on this one role that River Phoenix did, and he had such. And it wasn't even like the starring role of of the Last Crusade. It was like a, a little preamble in the beginning of the movie and that's like the only thing that you know of River Phoenix's work I mean how cool was that kid? it was pretty cool to yeah. get to be you. young Indiana Thank Jones you. I mean I wanted to be Indiana mm-hmm. Jones obviously you know uh, now we are quickly running out of time unfortunately so let's go back over to George Orwell for just a moment you wrote one of your most famous works Animal Farm in 1984 towards the end of your life uh-huh. uh, you were doing a lot of freelance work as a journalist and a reviewer at the same time right and in 1943 while you're writing Animal Farm you're also working at the Tribune 
and you start a regular personal column called As I Please. As I Please. Do you remember that column? Of course. Now, I'd love to know, like, what the premise was. Was it, like, personal stories? Was it... Was it like a, you know... Love advice. Love advice. Yes. As I please. So like, as I please in the bedroom, like that sort of thing? As I, exactly. Oh, wow. So if you want to please, you should read as I please. Okay. Wow. So was it like a Dan Savage thing? Like people would write in or was it just you were talking about like you your experiences... As a, people would write in, and I would, and I would somehow figure out a way to make it about me. Okay, you know so people I mean? would ask for advice, and you would just go off on a tangent about your own life. Yes, and and they let me do it because of Animal Farm in 1984. Uh, well, Animal Farm, of course, had not been released yet, but I guess, <laughs> I guess, word had spread that you were working on these that were going to be really great. Right, I was, I was doing a little bit of guerrilla marketing in the I in see. the uh, in the oh, column oh, itself, God. actually. Mm. Mm-hmm. Keep your eyes peeled. Faithful reader, for Animal Farm, Animal Farm, in 1984. Uh, 1984 and is on s- shelves now. People got so excited about it that they were just yes. Yeah, so they would write in. Mm-hmm. You know, my husband doesn't pay attention to me. Okay, uh, what do I do? I was raised proper, and I don't. Uh, you know, I don't fool around too much in the bedroom. Mm. Uh, but he seems even, even with the husband. With you're saying this woman wouldn't fool around with her bedroom in the bedroom. Yeah, this was just a sample. This was uh, that that was a letter I got. My okay. hu- my husband. I don't fool around in the bedroom with my husband. We don't fool around. I, it's very sad. So, you know, and I'd say, well, you know, 1984 has a very <laughs> steamy love scene in it between Winston and the girl. Mm. Wow, and you even gave away these plot points <laughs> for your for your column. I, yes, well, you know, wow. it's like a tr- movie trailer. They give away all the good parts. Yes, oh, that's yes, right. Yes. You know, and keep your eyes peeled for Animal Farm. Now, did you ever yeah. get around to actually giving the advice? Uh, no, oh, no, okay. no, no. No, All I right. wonder Can what I, happened to that woman. Let's uh, the woman who couldn't please her there husband was, in the bedroom. So let me just let me clarify. I got one letter, mm-hmm. and I based the entire. I had forty weeks on this column, and I and I was just every column was about this letter, but it was just a continuing story about my life. So wait, so one person wrote in for advice, right? So you start a column called "As, As I, I please. please," and then every week you would try to answer that question, but you would just go on a giant tangent about. Your life and specifically your books, hyping up your books that are about to come out. Correct. Yes. Interesting. Mm. Yes. Okay. It was massively successful. It was successful. People yes. really liked it. People loved wow. it. They I've, were they're on the edge of their seats. It's I can't wait meta. to I find out it's, how this woman. It's pretty meta. Mm-hmm. I mean, unfortunately, that's all the time that we have for this week's uh, episode of Famous Dead People. Uh, God, I really wish that we could all write like another uh, another episode of. Uh, uh, I could write you know the letter for as I please and get some get some of that dope sex advice. Yes, I would have said you were doling out. Uh, you know, just uh, have fun, have fun in there. <laughs> just you know, have fun in there. Just have some fun. It's fine. That's how the that's how the advice would have ended. If yes, you'd gotten there. Mm-hmm. Just okay. have fun. Just have fun. Uh, so I'd like to thank my guests, Rufus Phoenix and George Orwell, for joining me in the studio today. Thank you. Uh, thank last you. question: Do either of you have any uh, comedy shows or? Uh, comedians that you're big fans of that you want to tell people about, uh, George Orwell, anything you want to tell people about? Uh, well, if you're going to be down in Austin and uh, Memorial Day weekend, Austin Sketch, Fact, uh, Sketch Fest, check out uh, the Nitro Girls and Newport. Nitro Girls and Newport. Two wonderful sketch teams from New York City. At Austin, Ske- at Austin, Austin Sketch Fest in Sketch Texas. Fest. Wonderful. Yes. Okay, and uh, River Phoenix, anything you want to tell people about? Sure. Um, okay, check out um, the up at the Upright Citizens Brigade, the Lloyd Team Bucket, that's performing every other Sunday at, I believe, 7 or 7.30 p.m., something gotcha. like that. Check out the Lloyd Team Buckets at oh, the at UCB. Subculture. At Subculture. subculture. Gotcha. Yes. Uh, of course, I'm your host, Jared Berenstein. You can check out all my stuff at jaredberenstein.com. You should go out and buy my book, The Kelly and Conway Technique. It is 
George Orwell so, approved. So good. George Orwell has read it three times, and he fucking he's he is a fast fan right there. Yes, I'll try uh, the audiobooks, perhaps. Oh, the audiobook yes. is great. I am in the middle of recording it. Great. Could you sign this for me, please? Uh, oh, of course. Yeah, signing George Orwell's copy of my book. Uh, if you were listening to this on the radio, please find the podcast. We have all the old episodes online. You can rate, you can review, you can leave a comment. Tell your friends. And, of course, mark your calendar March 24th at 9 p.m. at the Magnet Theater. I'm going to be putting on my annual birthday show, The Sporty 40, uh, March 24th at 9 p.m. at the Magnet Theater. It's going to be fun sketches, surprise guests, stand-up stories, and lots and lots of free beer. That is the main selling point, free beer at The Sporty 40, March 24th at 9 p.m. at the Magnet Theater. Hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. We're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. I'm going to uh, kick a dog when I leave the studio. You're going to kick a dog? I'm feeling whimsical. Uh, <laughs>